horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. I hope you're feeling good. We're just uh, rounding the bend and heading into the holiday season, believe it or not. I've given you some pretty good tips on some books, so don't say I didn't give you a Santa list. I want to thank you so much. Uh, You're my present under the tree uh, once a week when you uh, uh, tune into Winning Ponies. Greatly appreciated. Uh, I'm John Engelhart, and we are going to have two sensational guests, both have been on the show before uh the uh, the first you'll know from his uh, profession in the saddle the second from his profession behind the microphone and behind the camera in front of the camera i should say well the first will be none other than hall of famer pat day is going to join us of course uh, pat himself uh didn't do too bad during his days in the saddle as far as the Breeders' Cup's concerned. He had 12 Breeders' Cup wins uh, with four in the Classics and three in the Breeders' Cup distaff. We'll see if we can't touch on uh, maybe some of his favorite rides over the years in the Breeders' Cup. And then talk to Pat about uh, his second career and what he's doing now and uh, spreading the word of the faith and helping people on the backstretch. Uh, you just have to be around him for a minute or two to know that you're in the presence of a very special person. He uh, he certainly is, and anybody that's met him knows what I'm talking about. So Pat Day will be our first guest, and our second guest will be Rich Perloff. If you watch the Breeders' Cup coverage on TVG, you got to see a lot of Rich uh, up on the screen with the powers to be. And uh, this guy is a, a jewel of a man. Uh, his background is sensational. Uh, you know, he's uh, been an actor, been in uh, oh, uh, all kinds of things. But what I was most impressed about, the fact that he was a uh, professor at Ohio U, the Bobcats. So I used to sneak away and come over to River Downs and bet the horses and play in the contest. But uh, Richard says a great, great uh, overview of of the sport. I, I just love uh, Tuesdays and Mondays listening to him. I think they call it television games where he interacts with the audience. So we'll talk a little bit about that. It's very different than what anybody else does uh, on air as far as horse racing is concerned. So uh, we'll be talking with Pat and Rich in just a little bit. And uh, before we get there, I hope everybody had uh, a good time over the weekend. Don't forget to pull down our easy win forms. The winners are not going away. A, uh, Excellent day yesterday, um, and these are the tracks that are don't grab the headlines every day, but they put together solid racing programs. At Mountaineer, we had a one dollar super high five. This was just yesterday uh, that paid uh, two thousand one hundred and sixty six. And Evangeline, very unique circuit, place where George Leonard started out. The trainer that was in the Breeders' Cup got a lot of attention. George, a great guy. But yesterday at Evangeline, we had a 50-cent pick four that paid $1,852. All right. Well, we'll be recapping with Rich 
all the Breeders' Cup races and uh, just try to get his feedback on, on, on some of them. As you know, uh, we had some, uh, some huge uh, uh, upsets, and we also uh, had races that will probably crown uh, champions for sure. So we'll go over uh, the main Breeders' Cup races on uh, Friday and Saturday with Rich, so I won't be giving you that in this uh in the news segment, but let me get to what we're uh, uh, what we're looking at this week. And uh, if uh, if if you look out on Saturday and you see the jockeys wearing black armbands uh, with the nickname Cholo on it, uh, that is in honor of fallen jockey Jose Miguel Mania. Most of us knew him as Miguel Mania. So uh, jockeys across America are going to honor the memory. He was uh, struck by a car uh, in in Kentucky. Oh, I guess it was about a week ago now. Uh, but he was a longtime member of the Jockeys Guild, very well respected, a real gentleman. And uh, your prayers uh, go out and also a GoFundMe page uh, to his wife, April, and daughters, uh, Nayla and Montserrat. Uh, so uh, if you see that on Saturday, you will know why they are wearing the armbands. Well, this is a big sigh of relief from a lot of people on both ends of the Breeders' Cup. All Breeders' Cup tests came back clean. I love it. All of them came back clean. They obviously got right to the testing lab. There was no uh, big lag in time. And uh, it's good that it came out. So, folks, yeah, they're they're following the rules. Now, other things about uh, the the Breeders' Cup, uh, besides the 148 horses that competed in the 14 races, uh, there were no equine fatalities in the races. And... No injuries that they could observe. There were, you know, maybe some nicks and things like that that come with racing, but uh, no observable injuries, which was great to hear. Now, there was one injury uh, that we saw in the gate. The guy's name is Carl Woods, and while he's pulling the jockey out of the back when a horse was getting cantankerous, uh, he got stuck in there, and Carl Woods got hurt. You could see him limping off uh, to the ambulance. Well, the assistant starter uh, is back to work. Already, those guys are tougher than a nickel steak. And uh, now the jockeys, they had to ride under extremely restrictive rules as far as uh, use of the whip. And uh, I don't have their names in front of me, but three jockeys violated those rules and received fines totaling $11,000. They were warned by the stewards that uh, the whip rules would be strictly enforced and uh so uh, $11,000 goes into a charity box. And uh, one last thing on the Breeders' Cup is, remember, none of the horses raced on Lasix in the races, except for a few of the horses I singled uh, came off uh, pr- pretty smoothly and ran to form. Well, uh, a horse who uh, just couldn't get there, couldn't run down his stable mate, essential quality, won't have to worry about that anymore. He has been retired, and he'll begin his stud career at a fee of $75,000 that was announced uh, by uh, a Darley, uh, third place finish in uh, the, the Breeders' Cup. But uh, 
Boy, he is 75,000 in this day and age for a horse of his quality, but they'll be rushing to the breeding shed. Uh, he won eight of 10 starts, including last year's TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile and uh, the Breeders' Futurity at Keelan, as well as uh, this year's Jim Dandy, a very prestigious race, and of course, the Bluegrass Stakes and retires of earnings of $4.7 million. We're talking about essential quality there. Uh, also going to John Bell will be Maxfield. He's going to stand for $40,000. We're going to get to see him one more time in the uh, Clark Handicap at Churchill Downs. Yes, folks, they are up and running. We're going to tell you in a second who you can find there. And then uh, now Nick's Go, the winner of the Classic, is going to stand for $30,000 at TaylorMade. But let's face it, to his sire, his painter, uh, who's uh, not as classic as uh, uh, into mischief. They don't get confused. But still, uh, you, you're breeding to the animal. You're uh, breeding to the physical, as they say. And Nick's go will start at $30,000 at Taylor Made Farm. Uh, now, his final time in the Classic was 159.57. That just about broke uh, the Del Mar track record. Uh, that's held by Candy Ride. And uh, it was the fastest time recorded on the dirt since you got to go back to 2004 with Ghost Zapper. Now, uh, word is he's probably going to come back for the Pegasus Cup, and he would just add to that $8.7 million. The great thing about this is the $3 million Pegasus is also looks like that's where life is good gonna go man was he impressive in the dirt mile for sure uh he, he'll be stretching out a little bit we already know now uh that next go can go the distance he just gets the lead and grinds it out uh maintains the pace he said a, a really blistering first quarter then he got a tad of a breather and then he just kind of Put enough distance between himself and the competition, said, catch me if you can, and they couldn't. Well, uh, we've been monitoring this as far as the health of uh, the leading turf sire, English Channel, and we just got news today uh, that uh, he, uh, because of declining health in the past 24 hours, uh, he passed away this morning. Uh, right now, he's ranked second on the leading turf sires list and uh, 17th on the general sire list. Boy, in handicapping, you just uh, you got a turf race. Immediately, you look to see if there was an English channel in there. Uh, certainly, you can ask Mike Maker. Uh, he's uh, made a small career out of claiming horses sired by English Channel and moving them up to graded stakes winners on the turf. Now, English Channel was 19 years old. He had six Canadian uh, champions as well as the 2020 Eclipse champion turf male, Channel Maker. Uh, he's the, the, the sire of uh, 12 grade one winners. So uh, if you've got an English Channel on the ground, they just got more valuable. You can't make anymore. All right, I alluded to Churchill Downs, and guess who's going to be there? Well, following his victory aboard Nick's Go in that $6 million classic, the current leading rider in the country in purse earnings, Joel Rosario, is joining the River Downs Jockey Colony. Now, it's just 14 days of racing. You got to get it while you can, uh, but uh, 
He is uh, on a roll right now. Think about his agent, though. He, he's represented by Ron Anderson. He's won 68 stakes races this year and is hoping to catch the late great Garrett Gomez. Uh, the all-time mark is 76. So he's got 68. He's going for 76. Um, now, uh, the all-time track mark is held by Jerry Bailey, uh, which was 55 uh, in 2003. So uh, we will uh, keep an eye on uh, uh, Joel. He is certainly having just an amazing year, and he will be a welcome addition to the Jockeys Colony at Churchill Downs. And uh, coming up, we're going to have to do a show uh, just on the you're seeing the word Hissa pop up, and that's the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority. And uh, I'll update you on the new rules concerning uh, drugs, uh, claiming game restrictions, uh, obviously whip restrictions. So uh, Hissa is uh, kind of the, perhaps the one and all power to be that everybody referred to that uh, racing always needed. Well, one thing racing always needed was the presence of greatness, and that will be coming up with us here in the next segment on Winning Ponies, because we're going to bring none other than Hall of Famer, Pat Day. Stay right there. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, uh, I am honored to have with me right now a gentleman that I hailed as a hero and has become to call him a friend, none other than Hall of Fame jockey Pat Day. Pat, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Well, thank you very much, John. It's good to be back on with you. Appreciate it. 
Well, it was good to see you very briefly uh, down at Keeneland, uh, oh, I think now three weeks ago, uh, when we brought all the jockeys together. That was kind of a, a, an interesting get-together because it, uh, it was generational. I mean, we went, every, went from everybody, I'm trying to think, the, the guys like uh, Jean Cruget, um, you know, all the way down to uh, Geraldo Corrales, who's a, an up-and-coming rider. It was kind of neat to look at the table. It was like you could see about, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five decades of riders. It was a great experience. No, it was a great time, too. It's always good to get together with with uh, my fellow riders, and especially for a cause like that, you know, just doing a little autograph session, trying to raise funds for and awareness of the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, and, and uh, it's great that everybody would participate. Well, it, it, it was a fun day. You guys caught good weather, which sometimes is iffy at Keeneland, but uh, it, it was uh, great to see you and really to get to see everybody. Um, uh, Pat, I, I know that uh, you uh, continually stay busy, and we're going to get to some of your ventures, but uh, since we just had the Breeders' Cup, I just, you know, with, with somebody that's had 12 Breeders' Cup wins. This is going to be a tough question. Can, can you pick one or two that stand out for reasons that maybe we didn't see on the surface? Well, the first one, you know, winning the Breeders' Cup Classic was wild again. A uh, long shot that he was, and the way the race was, was ran, and uh, the lengthy inquiry at the conclusion, and, uh, uh, you know, t t just to be a part of that day was special. Uh, but to be aboard uh, Wild again and, and to have him put forth the effort that he did uh, ultimately to win that race, uh, it was, you couldn't have, Hollywood couldn't have written a script uh, for the day and, and concluded it any better than that. And as I said, to be a part of that, uh, to win that aboard Wild again. And I believe that that victory, uh, John, really. Well, winning that race certainly helped me secure the, the Eclipse Award for that year. And uh, all of that uh, together uh, catapulted my career to the next level. Uh, you know, we, we won the Eclipse Award uh, that year. And, and uh, uh, of course, I, I committed my life to Christ in January of that year, which right. had a profound effect upon my, my life in general and my, certainly my career. Then to win that race and, and to win the Eclipse Award, and, and uh, it just it catapulted my career to the next level. And thereafter, we started having opportunities to ride in all the major races around the country, and not just ride in them, but to ride horses that uh, realistically had a good chance and, and subsequently started winning races. I mean, it was, um, uh, it, it was very important, I think, Probably very important to to my overall career. Oh, that that's fantastic! Thanks for uh, capsulizing that. You know, a, a little bit ago, I was talking about jockey agent Ron Anderson, and he has mm -hmm. Joel Rosario. Uh, he had the great Garrett Gomez. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's like super agent. Now, were you mostly associated during your career with was it Doc Danner? Well. Doc had me the last 10 years of my career. There, I, I had a, a several really good agents over the course of my career, but there were three major. Uh, Jim Reed had my uh, book early on in my career, uh, called him Coach, done an excellent job. And then Fred Amy worked for me for 10 years uh, and, and just done an outstanding job. 
uh, and then Doc Danner uh, took me into into retirement. I mean, uh, I just had great great representation, uh, my, you know, my entire career. Well, I mean, you rose a heady rider. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> I think uh, Dwayne Lucas nicknamed me "Baby Hands" and everything. But um, you you always maintained it appeared on the outside your physical fitness from the time we still watched you ride. Um, after you, your uh, unique uh, conversion to Christianity uh, uh, in 84, did you feel like you were getting healthier, uh, not only physically, but, but mentally, and it helped you focus to become the rider you became? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, I was... I was caught up, caught up in a world of drugs and alcohol and sordid living, and uh, and I wasn't treating the industry, the game of horse racing, with any respect. Uh, I was showing very little respect for the talent and ability the Lord had blessed me with. You know, I was being incredibly successful, and and was only halfway there. You know, I was I was not engaged. So when when I when I came to Christ, I got set free from the bondage. Excuse me, of drugs and alcohol, um, recognized that God had blessed me with tremendous talent and ability, uh, had received the revelation from God that I was to take the talent, take the ability, do the very best that I could, but all the while being open to opportunities to give him the praise, the honor, and the glory. I had a newfound reason to pursue my career. And I was so I was clear-minded. I was, you know, I was set free from the bondage of drugs and alcohol, I, I had a great respect for the people that I was working with and working for. Uh, I come to realize that I was only one link in the chain and that everybody involved with that horse played an, you know, an indispensable role. Uh, we were only as strong as the weakest link. And so from the ground right. up, the grooms, the hot walkers, the exercise personnel, the trainer drawing up the program, everybody involved with that horse uh, played a role at the end of the day. And uh, so it was great to, to have a, a team concept like that, an appreciation for the people that I was working for, working with, uh, an appreciation for the horses themselves, and the, an appreciation for the great sport of horse racing, certainly a great uh, respect and appreciation for the success that we were enjoying. And uh, no doubt, no doubt, when I came to Christ, uh, my, whole, my whole world changed. Well, Pat, and it, I, I love going back when I'm having guests on and you're digging up old stories and finding out things about them. But one, shall I call it a fun fact that I found out that I never knew in the past was that you rejected the mount on eventual Derby winner war emblem. This was back in 2002 because you didn't want to bump this Victor Espinoza. Can you share that with us? I never heard that story before. Uh, I wasn't sure about that story myself. There. Oh, really? Well, yeah, bring, bring me up to speed, John. I might be I might be missing out on something here in my old age. Well, I forget what I got that off. It was an interview or it was a story that was written uh, six years ago. And then they, at the end, they put out fun facts. And that was one of them. So I guess that's a fun fact we better delete. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've got a question well, for you. Go ahead. That, that was... War Emblem was a horse that uh, Bob um, um, Bafford had gotten from Bobby Frankel or uh, Bobby Springer. Didn't the horse win the Illinois Derby, and then Bob bought him, and he brought him the Derby. 
Yes, the Sheik's bottom and came to bottom. You're correct. I had a a commitment to another horse. I'd I'd have to go back and look. I don't recall who I rode that year. Uh, Gosh, obviously not the winner, but... Well, um, Pat, don't don't labor yourself over it because I've got other questions I want answered before you go, okay? (laughs) Um, Number one is, back in the day... We all remember when nasal strips came out, first for horses, then for humans. You were kind of like the poster boy for jockeys using nasal strips. Do you still ever use the Breathe Right uh, strips anymore for when you work out or anything? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I don't do much workout. Um, but, you know, I, I, I did find that I at least I thought that it was uh, it was helping me. I, I felt that they were most beneficial when I rode you know, four, five, six races in a row. Uh-huh. Uh, if I rode one or two races and then set a race out, rode one or two races, but I felt like I got my air better, uh, felt like it kept my nostrils open, and, and uh, I was able, able to get my air. I, I don't know if that was, in fact, true or if it was just uh, my overactive evac- imagination that was, uh, <laughs> that was playing a role. But, but uh, yeah, it, came, it became a bit of a habit, and, and I felt like it helped me. Uh, well, good. You know, it's funny because I mean, they were, there were all kinds of athletes. I mean, everywhere you looked, I look at my old photos and I see all, all these people, different people in different sports. And I just don't notice it as much right now. So I just thought I'd run that question by you. And then another question uh, I have to ask is what's it like? I'm sure, you you know, you do different uh, appearances at different places, but there's gotta be times when perhaps they're not racing or it's a dark day where you're walking through the paddock area at, at Churchill Downs to go wherever you might have to go and to turn to the right and see a bronze statue of yourself in that classic little E.T. I just won the Kentucky Derby photo uh, pose, I should say. What is that like for a person to actually see it? Most people don't get statues uh, built for them until after they're gone. <laughs> well, uh, honored beyond belief, John. You know, I just, I, I, I look around, I look at the, at the career that I've had and the life the Lord has blessed me with, and, and uh, Chris Christopherson wrote a song, Why Me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the blessings I've known? And, and I, I find myself singing that song a lot. Why me? Um, tremendously blessed, honored beyond belief. Uh, to think that they would, you know, that Churchill Downs would honor me in such a way as to erect a bronze statue in the in the rose garden next to Aristides, uh, and 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 then, you know, at a later date, um, to rename the, the 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 Derby Trial, the Pat Day Mile, and put it on the undercard with the Kentucky Derby. I, John, I don't have words. I, I'm just so grateful. Uh, feel so blessed and so fortunate. Uh, and I know, I know that I know that had I not received Christ as my Savior in January of 84, had I continued down the road that I was going, uh, I'd, be, I'd be sleeping under the bridge and eating out of a tin can. I, I, would, I certainly would not be on the call with you tonight. I certainly would not have enjoyed the phenomenal success that we had and would not be living the life that I'm, that I'm living today. You know, coming to Christ was a was a monumental move in my life. I mean, a pivotal move, and and it was like a you know I'd done an about face, 
you know, turned it over to God, started started uh, treating people with respect and, and uh, appreciating the, the ta- talent and ability that I had and enjoying the racing. And, and uh, it was just uh, enjoying my wife and my life. And uh, God is good. God is good. Well, and, and, and you now uh, take that message and carry it with you. What are some of the things uh, that you're still involved with in, in spreading the word, uh, particularly to those um, amongst the thoroughbred community? And if there's anything, if there's any events coming up for any of the holidays or um, things that our listeners can do to maybe help you in your efforts, make sure you give us a contact before you finish this question, okay? Uh, I will endeavor to do that, John. Well, you know, in, when when I committed my life to Christ in January of 1984, uh, shortly thereafter, I thought I, I I thought I was being called into the ministry and gave serious consideration to leaving the racing industry, going to the seminary, and becoming a minister. And uh, it, it was it was right then that I met the chaplain at the racetrack, uh, Chaplain Mike Spencer, who became my best friend and spiritual mentor. I shared with him my, my dilemma about what to do. He said, let's pray about that and see what God has to say. We prayed about it. We sought the scriptures. And through that process, the Lord revealed to me that he had, in fact, saved me to work within the industry, not to leave it. Uh, take the talent. Take the ability. Take the opportunities. Do the very best that I possibly could, all the while being open to opportunities to give him the praise, the honor, and the glory. And uh, then, as now, the only vehicle that's actively endeavoring to bring the, the gospel message to the horse racing industry is the racetrack chaplaincy. And so I became very involved with and supportive of that ministry and continue to be to this day. Uh, I just recently, well, I'm, I'm, I'm currently finishing up my, my term as president of the Kentucky racetrack chaplaincy. Uh, I've, I've had that position for the last six years, and and uh, just uh, the role of the of the council is to provide the chaplains with what they need to do the work the Lord's called them to. Which uh, bottom line is to share the gospel message. Uh, you know, we call ourselves a ministry of presence. Uh, we our chaplains endeavor to cultivate relationships with the with the workforce at the racetrack, although it's all inclusive. Our chaplains, you know, we, we, our chaplains minister to the front side, the back side, uh, anybody and everybody involved in racing, with the exception of the fans. And, of course, we'd, we wouldn't mind ministering to them either. But we're called to minister to predominantly the workforce and uh, predominantly those that are working directly with the horses. Uh, we, we try to provide some of the physical, some of the material needs, but most importantly, uh, try to meet their spiritual needs by sharing the gospel message with them. And so currently we have uh, Pavel Yurucci, who, who's uh, ministering there at Turfway and at Belterra. We've got Joseph Del Rosario, who uh, ministers here at Churchill Downs. Uh, and we have Jesus Amaya, who ministers over at, uh, at Ellis Park in the summertime. We have two ladies, Erica uh, and Jemima, who minister to the women and the children here at Churchill Downs. And and uh, as I said, it's, I'm still very involved with the, with the racetrack chaplaincy and will continue to be. I'm very privileged to get opportunities to, uh, to go to various, uh, to, to speak at various events. 
uh, on behalf of the ministry, but more importantly, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we, we're, our, our heart's desire is, uh, is just to share the gospel, to see people come to know and to love and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and to experience the joy, the peace, and the contentment that's available through a personal, intimate relationship with him. Well, now, Pat, in, in going back and doing my research, I did see some pictures of you up at speaking engagements. I mean, if, if someone would be interested in contacting you about potentially, you know, speaking at uh, one of their events, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they can contact me. Uh, they can send me an email at pad1053 at aol.com. Uh, they can get in contact a fellow named Leonard Lusky uh, is, I call him my agent. He helps to get some, some booking opportunities. And uh, if you'll bear with me just one second, I'll pull up his information here. Not a problem. I know Leonard. Do you? Super yes. nice guy. Super nice guy. Uh, yeah, you can get a hold of Leonard at uh, 502-419-7000. Or at, uh, you can contact him at uh, L. Lusky, L-L-U-S-K-Y, at secretariat.com. Right. But either oh. or, send me a, an, an email or uh, contact Leonard, and uh, we'll, we'll prayerfully consider your opportunities. And I can tell you, folks, I, I, I'm one that has been in the audience when Pat speaks. And, you know, you talk about not being able to hear a, a pin drop. Uh, it, it is really, you have to do it. It's, uh, it's almost uh, spiritual in its own right, just uh, listening to Pat. And you get these good vibrations emanating uh, from him. Uh, and you can tell that the, the, the light shines through him. I mean, there's a presence, uh, you know, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's just it, it's something that, that you, you really should take advantage of uh, if you can. Now, coming up on the holidays, I'm looking for some gifts to get for friends of mine, Pat, and I need your help. I hear there's a new place open somewhere in Kentucky called the Savoie. Have you heard anything about it? You know anything about this shop? <laughs> I do. As a matter of fact, I have firsthand knowledge about this this uh, new place of business. It's and and it's it's called Savoie. Uh, I don't know how you would. It's spelled S A V O Y apostrophe S. That happens to be the uh, the maiden my, my mother in law's maiden name. Her last name was Savoie. Uh -huh. But my wife has opened up a gift shop. It's a boutique gift shop antique store. Here in, in uh, Louisville, in Middletown, located at 204 Old Harrods Creek Road, Unit oh, yeah. 11. And uh, they, they sell, well, it's, it's just that. It's boutiques, it's specialty items, uh, gifts. They have uh, uh, all kinds of spa products. They have, as I said, some antiques. They have, um, uh, she's got a line of baby's clothing. She's got all sorts of women's wear. I don't think she's got anything for the for any clothing for men, but uh, still, it, it, it's pretty good browsing in there, pretty good shopping. 
Well, it sounds like there's still plenty of uh, gift items you you could get for just about anybody on your list. Well, my gift's already been given to me because I just got to spend 18 minutes with Pat Day. And uh, so my my year is made by a day is all I can say, Pat. And I thank you so much for for joining us. And uh, like I said, you you fill my heart every time I talk to you. Well, it's great speaking with you. Oh, in addition to that, they also have some... Handmade jewelry. My wife, uh, during the time of her her uh, recovery from her her intestinal issues, was busy making bead jewelry and all kinds of jewelry. So, uh, please stop in. Uh, they they would love to see you, and I think you'd enjoy the shop. It's a cute little shop with a wide variety of items to look at and and to peruse and and hopefully uh, find the gift uh, that you're looking for. All right. Now, one, one more time. Uh, we we, get, we got a few seconds left. Um, if I was looking for it and I'm, I'm, I'm driving towards uh, Louisville, uh, I, it's called the Boutique? It's called Savoie's Boutique. Okay. And uh, it's located in what township? It's located at 204 Old Herod's Creek road it's it's louisville but it's actually it's in middletown it's in the east end of uh, of louisville middletown that's no yeah i mean Mm -hmm. it's you don't have to go far out of your way to to find old herod's creek so uh uh, for our listeners out there particularly those that might be in the central kentucky area i just took care of your christmas shopping for you at Savoise Boutique. Well, Pat Day, it's been great catching up with you. Be well, my friend. Take care. And you likewise, John. The very best to you and your listeners. God bless you all. Thank you. Oh, what a great guy. Well, we're going to take a little break here, and we're going to come back with another great guy, none other than TVG's Rich Perloff. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right. Well, I was lucky enough to get Rich Pearl off a couple, uh, oh, I don't know, a month or two ago, and he was with me, and he, he made the, uh, the, the terrible mistake of saying, well, you got my number, call any time, and of course... I called him, especially after, you know, watching the uh, TVG Breeders' Cup uh, broadcast. He kept popping up, and it was kind of like, where's Waldo? Where's Rich? You know, Friday's there, Saturday's there. Everybody goes home. Rich is on air on Sunday, too, I believe. And uh, for all I know, they, they had you come back on Mondays and Tuesdays. Rich Perloff, how are you? I'm, do- I'm doing great, and you're, you're exactly right. That, that was a long week. That was five consecutive long shifts, but you know what? John, when Breeders' Cup comes around, I wouldn't have it any other way. I told them, I told some of the senior producers, do not leave me out of that conversation. I don't care if I'm not out down there at Del Mar, but you find a way to let me, you know, trumpet my opinions with the rest of them. Well, you know... You wear it well, my friend. I mean, you, you really you, you do you do an outstanding job. And but if anybody wants an introduction to your smooth style and your cerebral approach to handicapping, whether it be a Breeders' Cup race or the third at Mahoning Valley, it comes across so nice. But uh, th- this is Mondays and Tuesdays, and normally in the earlier part of the card. And but what I really like is the way that you've welcomed in your audience and you have an yeah. ongoing interaction with them. Is, is that Professor Perloff coming out or what? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I mean, there is a teacher gene that I've got working in anything that I do, but it's particularly true in the realm of handicapping. I want to help people become good, confident handicappers. I'm really uncomfortable, John, with the idea that they're going to wait for me to tell them what to, what to do. The greatest day of my life is when somebody who's been kind of learning from me listens to my opinion and says, yeah, you know what, I'm going to bet on this horse instead. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. It's the difference between giving a man a fish and teaching a man to fish. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. That was a mantra of mine when I was doing the regular guy television show back in Cincinnati some 20 years ago. And I had the overhead camera and I would do what you do and bring people right down and go, now here's where you find the information I just gave you in the daily racing form. And you you take your pen out and you show them, you know, here's the trainer's line. This is what he's best at. I'm just making that up, obviously. Um, But whatever the example is that you're trying to get across, you teach your viewers how to find it. The the old teach them how to fish adage. Which is, which is really important. And you know, it, We've been doing it for so long now, but I still remember when it was really challenging for the graphics department at TVG to make that happen. And when we finally got the technology that allowed us, the on-air people, to put what was on our iPads directly up on the TV screen and mark it up, for me, that was a quantum leap. Because I can try to describe for people where I'm finding the information in the past performances that leads me to a selection, but to be able to show them where I'm going is that that's just next level stuff. Well, uh, it's, it, you're doing a great job, Rich. Uh, just keep doing what you're doing because it's what racing needs. They really, they, they really do need it. Well, I'm going to ask you uh, 
tough task right now. We're going to try to power through uh, the, uh, the the Breeders' Cup races. Uh, of yeah. course, it, it, it started with the Stars of the Future Friday. And come on, folks, you've got a turf sprint and Wesley Ward's in, in, uh, in the race. <laughs> Get oh. with it, folks. This isn't something that just well, happened. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> and, which Wesley Ward? He had he had three three fillies in there, you know, and, and they ran yes. first, third, and fifth. It, I mean, but it, it's ridiculous. John, I mean, Twilight Gleaming, the thing about Wesley Ward with turf sprinters, and obviously this is a theme we'll come back to for the, the Breeders' Cup turf sprint on Saturday, his horses break like rocket ships. It's right. unbelievable how consistently well these horses leave the gate. Well, I was reading a story about him, Rich, uh, in Trainer Magazine, and he said part of that is, he says, as I use jockeys as exercise riders, so these guys know how to break a horse from a gate. They know what I want, you know, and that's got to be because, as you know, at the starting gate, you only need that little bit of edge to get that half a stride in front. And I thought that was genius. He's like, I don't use exercise riders. I use jockeys. But, uh, again, so West Ward uh, took the, the juvenile turf sprint with one of the three. Luckily, I had it. That paid 1240 Twilight Gleaming. Moving on to the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, one of the slam dunks of the two-day event. Echo Zulo deserving of championship honors for this filly. Yeah, you know, every, every year, I, and I'm an Eclipse Award voter, and I have been for several years, and every year the Breeders' Cup, makes my life simple in many categories. And there are other categories that I'm going to have to stare at, you know, for some length of time. Yeah, this one was easy. But I have to say, full disclosure, I tried to beat her. I tried to beat her because, and I'm, I'm not about to deviate from this perspective, when Breeders' Cup juvenile races are run around two turns, I will never, I will never focus my main attention on a horse that's trying two turns for the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, Echo Zulu proved more than equal to the task. She was much, much the best in there, but th- this angle has paid big dividends for me over the years, and I'm not going to let it drop. Well, Echo Zulu uh, going to the Eclipse Awards, no doubt about it. Then we moved on to the juvenile Phillies turf. And uh, this one, it was Bobby Flay's day. He cooked up a nice winner in Pizza Bianca. I remember he, he paid a million bucks for the dam, a daughter to Galileo. Uh, she never ran a race, but sure looks like her daughter can can now and paid uh, twenty one eighty. Yeah, I mean, this, this was a, a terrific race, a spectacular ride by Jose Ortiz, somehow finding his way from the, the back of the pack there. And, you know, it, it's great. Bobby Flay has been investing large sums of money in the game for a long time. He's now breeding a number of the horses he campaigns. So Pizza Bianca was one of those. I, I got stuck a little bit on the Breeders' Cup juvenile races, both the Phillies and the boys. I like the European horses that drew way outside. And I know how difficult that is. But I backed him anyway because I thought that, you know, they, they warranted that consideration. And, and mise-en-scene, who broke from post number 13 in the juvenile Phillies turf, was one of them. She actually worked out a decent trip under Ocean Murphy. But, but uh, you know, uh, Pizza Bianca just mowed them all down late. All right, let me try to get through these last two on Friday before we get to Saturday's card. And uh, the uh, 
Breeders' Cup Juvenile. This is the boys. No surprise. Mike Smith winning his 27th Breeders' Cup aboard Bob Baffert-trained Corniche, another champion in the ring. Yeah, he's another champion. I tried to beat him. I tried to beat him with, with Papa Cap. Papa Cap ran a really good race when he was second behind Corniche in the American Pharaoh. It was a career best number in his first try around two turns. The question was, okay, can he close the gap on Corniche, and will Corniche get significantly more pace pressure? He really didn't. Papa Cap rallied into the exacta at 15 to 1. The exacta was okay, but Papa Cap was never going to beat Corniche. Okay. All right. Final race on Friday. It was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, Modern Games finished first and got the top prize uh, for sure in there. Uh, Rich, I'm going to move right along to Saturday so I I don't get hunkered down because you know I want to get to the Classic. I might even uh, skip a few races here. Okay. Um, Okay. One one of the big thuds of the the week uh, was the Breeders' Cup uh, Philly and Mare Sprint. Everybody had gone mean singled uh-oh yeah i mean there was some buzz that Kameen was not the same philly that just blew the doors off the field in last year's breeders cup philly and mare sprint I, on numbers i thought she was coming up to the race the right way but she clearly was vulnerable she was laboring at the top of the stretch and cc gets the money she's ultra ultra consistent when the when the numbers came out it just looks like CC ran the same race that she usually does. She put up a buyer figure of 100. That's right in, in the ballpark with what she usually does. She likes seven-eighths, and she just happened to catch Camine on the right day. Okay. Well, again, a lot of tickets torn up on that race. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, well, uh, the horse that Wesley Wards believes it was the bet that it is the best horse he's ever trained, and that's saying a lot. Was Golden Pal, who went wire to wire in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint? Yeah, that that was just an obscene show of speed by Golden Pal <laughs> in in a field that deep with that many graded and group stakes winners for a horse to get clear by open lengths that soon after the break. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that in a 5 8 turf sprint. Well, as we said, Wesley Ward's the, the man to do it, and he did it, collecting the winner's share of a million dollars. Well, this one will be easy to talk about, and it's because uh, life is good, certainly is good. They found a niche for him here, stretching out a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if they do uh, go into Pegasus against uh, Nick's Go, where those two horses meet. But nonetheless, life is good was much the best in the Big ass fans, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Yeah, he's got he's got so much ability. You know, Todd Pletcher is probably still just figuring him out. That was only his third start since Life Is Good came to to Pletcher, and and he just obliterated that deal. You know, the Breeders' Cup Dirt, dirt Mile is an odd race every year, John. It's it's a tweener. You know, it's the horses that aren't quite quick enough to go three quarters of a mile for twice the purse money in the sprint, and they're not about to last 10 furlongs for, for $6 million bucks in the Classic. But life is good. That was, that was a big win, and given that that was only the sixth race of his career, we can look forward to at least a couple more from that guy. 
Yeah, luckily when I'm reading all these stallion lists uh, these weeks when they put them out, I don't see Life is Good's name anywhere, so hopefully Windstar will keep him in training and uh, we'll get to see this horse race uh, another year. Um, hey, big day for people uh, who are fans of Japan. Uh, that got its first payoff, I believe, with Loves Only You, a uh, granddaughter of Sunday Silence. Yeah, through the, the Stallion Deep Impact, who, who basically took what Sunday Silence did in Japan, Deep, Deep Impact just ratcheted it up. He's been so good, so successful at stud, and Loves of Only You has been a real player on the world stage. You know, my, my opinion about the race was that if Loves Only You was able to run anything like the third-place finish that she managed in the Dubai Shima Classic in March... She was going to be a strong contender here. She's had a very comfortable trip under jockey uh, Yukio Kawada, and all she needed was just a sliver of daylight in mid-stretch. She found it, and she got the money, and it was, a, it was just a great winter circle celebration. Well, uh, Rich Perloff, I've only got a couple of minutes left, so uh, recap it as quick as I can. Uh, uh, another ticket terror, uh, Jackie's Warrior uh, just uh, didn't fire the yeah. Breeders' Cup uh, a sprint. Um, and, and then it was, uh, of course, a, another horse that a lot of people had on their ticket was uh, Latruska, who was being held the horse of the mm. year in some circles, uh, who just didn't show up, and it happens. And we get another Japanese-connected horse that pays 101. Yeah. But uh, I want to get your input. We can always go backwards, but we got to make sure that we get in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, not, not a surprise, not a shock, but, uh, you know, we, we put the best we had out there, and, and they all brought their game. And you, as Im impressive as Nick's go was with, with his constant I'm-in-front-you-can't-catch-me style, a tip of the cap to Medina spirit and essential quality. Yeah, the, the thing is, what that race demonstrated was that Nixon Go is just light years better than any of the older horses that we've been seeing in North America. This is a good and deep crop of three-year-olds, and Nixon Go just put them in chase mode. We've seen a number of wire-to-wire -wire winners of the Breeders' Cup Classic over the, the last decade or so. None of them, none, went as fast early as Nixon Go did, 45-3. and three. For the half mile, that was just that was just a brutal display of speed and stamina. Some folks thought a mile and a quarter was going to be his undoing. Uh, no, he, he he's just better than these, and he's one of those horses, John. You're, you're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't. You try <laughs> to match strides with him early, it's going to cost you in the latter stages. And if you let him cruise on the lead, which nobody was able to prevent in the Breeders' Cup Classic, he you'll never reel him in. Well, uh, Rich Perloff, you know what it's like to be up against the clock, and I am. Thank you so much for your insight. We'll keep watching you, and uh, I look forward to your next appearance on Winning Ponies because I didn't lose your number yet. All right, John, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Okay, that was uh, TVG's Rich Perloff. Uh, before Rich, it was uh, Hall of Fame Jackie Pat Day uh, lighting up your earbuds. So uh, from all of us here at Winning Ponies, in particular, my great producer, Josh Bygosh, I want to thank you for listening. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.